Welcome to Saga Thing, where we're putting the sagas of the Icelanders on trial. I'm John. And I'm Andy. And if you're just finding this podcast and for some reason thinking an episode called Quarter Court 2 is a good place to start, well, uh, I've got some bad news for you. Well, it's not bad news. It's just a, it's a recommendation that you start with a different episode. Because this isn't just another episode of Saga Thing. It's a combination of review and awards covering the last 30 episodes or so of the podcast. Everything from Viglund's Saga in episode 13A to the end of Droplagersona Saga in episode 23C. Ah, and it's been a, a long while since the last one of these. Yeah, the first quarter court was just under two and a half years ago. And I think we both know why it's taken so long to get to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're lazy. Saga. What? What was that? Oh, I said Njal Saga? Uh-huh. It was Njal Saga. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, we spent ten months and over a dozen episodes working through that one. And uh, while it was a really interesting project for us, I think it left us somewhat traumatized. Yeah, I've only recently been able to read a book without comparing everything in it to someone or something from the burning. Yeah, they're there. Uh, so we should <laughs> briefly explain the term quarter court and why we're organizing things this way. Uh, didn't we do that during the first quarter court? Well, yes, we did. And that was over two years ago. Ah, yes. Good point. Okay, shoot. Okay. What is this thing? Uh, so the legal system of Saga Age Iceland was built around a network of what was called things. Assemblies convened for the purpose of business and socializing, but also for the performance of legal rituals and the pressing of lawsuits. Right. There are some good texts out there for anyone looking for information on the legal system. Uh, in the past, we've always recommended Jesse Biox's Viking Age Iceland and William Ian Miller's Bloodtaking and Peacemaking. Sure. Uh, and we can add to that the actual law code itself, the Gragas. Uh, it's available both in Icelandic and in an English translation, which was produced by Andrew Dennis, Peter Foote, and Richard Perkins. Uh, we end up using the codes a lot to try to understand the legal details of the sagas, but it's uh, it's worth a read if you find that you're getting obsessed and the broader studies aren't scratching that itch anymore. <laughs> yes, Graugaus, the uh, topical cream for your intellectual itch. Oh, uh, really? Kind of gross. Uh, okay. All right. Can we move along, please? Uh, all right. Uh, the usual procedure was to bring a lawsuit to the local or regional assembly, which was administered by the local Gothar, or chieftains. These local assemblies were overseen by higher levels of assembly, with the ultimate authority going to the All Thing, which is a national gathering. At the All Thing, legal matters were organized based on the region of Iceland the case originated from, or where the participants were from. And essentially, a plaintiff could bring his case to the national court to seek a more impartial ruling than he might find in a local court. Again, we covered a lot of this in a bit more detail in the first quarter court, so if you're interested in learning a little bit more about how all of this was set up, uh, that discussion is in episode 15a. Right. Uh, so are we ready to get started? No. No? No, I, I think we need to explain what we're actually doing here, <laughs> not about the quarter court system itself. Okay, go ahead. So uh, so here's what we do. We, mm-hmm. we judge each of the sagas we cover according to a set of categories. Um, many listeners are going to know them. They are best bloodshed, body count, nicknames, notable witticisms, outlawry, thingmen, and final ratings. And in the quarter courts, we bring back the winning people or moments from each saga to compete mm-hmm. against the others. And someday in the future... When we reach the end of the saga corpus, we will conduct a fifth court to determine the best of the best of the best of the best. The best of the best of the best, sir! So, for most categories, we'll offer five candidates from among the winners. And then we'll open up voting on our website, sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com, and you, the listeners, will decide which candidate deserves to win the quarter court victory. Yeah, there are a couple of exceptions to that, but we'll explain those as we go. Uh, Right. The voting will be from when this episode goes up on the site until the end of this month, uh, September 2017. Mm. I think we decided on the 30th of September. So if you're hearing this before the end of the month, go get out there. Vote. 
And if you're hearing this from long after that, hello from the past. How'd that whole robot uprising singularity thing turn out? <laughs> okay. Now, if you're done freaking out people from the future, I think we're ready. Sure. And as always, our first category is... Best Bloodshed. If you've kept up with us over the past 60-plus episodes of Saga Thing, then... Then we're hard- very sorry. What's that? Then we're very sorry. Oh, we're very sorry. Oh, very clever. I'm not sorry. Uh, but <laughs> I, sh- I hardly need to tell you that Best Bloodshed is the category where we review the most spectacular deaths, maimings, and injuries that the sagas have to offer. And who doesn't love a bit of the ultraviolence? Off the top of my head, I would guess the victim. I'm going <laughs> to guess enough. the victims aren't too thrilled about extreme violence. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at human history, I think it's clear that radical violence is often at the center of much of our artistic expression. Ooh, here we go. <laughs> I think that's very true. You know, it might seem... A I'm just bit... going to lay that down on the carpet for you. <laughs> it's a good transition. <laughs> It might seem uh, a bit macabre as John and I casually speak about spears traveling through a man's stomach or people getting His cut in half. His stomach if he's luffy, lucky. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or people getting cut in half with the uh, a well-placed stroke of the sword. But uh, violence is an essential part of who we are and stories of violence, extreme or otherwise, can actually help us better understand ourselves. I'm sorry. Uh, are you trying to make the case that Ingolf Thorstenson strapping a rock to his chest and Rushing into battle against 18 men offers a valuable lesson about the essential nature of man. A, a valuable lesson? No, I, I don't know. Uh, it kind of depends on how you want to approach it. We have a lot of fun playing with Saga Violence, in part because much of it is designed to be entertaining. Uh, just think of all those action movies out there raking in millions on the backs of best bloodshed victims. I mean, Liam Neeson <laughs> managed to build a whole second career in movies that are thin on plot and characterization, but very heavy on senseless violence, all for our entertainment. And I grew up on Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme and WWF stuff. I understand <laughs> violence for entertainment purposes. Uh-huh. To a large degree, I think that's exactly what we've got in the sagas. Well, okay, but that's not all. I, mean, I don't want this to turn to a saga brief on violence in literature, but I'll play along for a minute. As you said, not all the violence we see is meant to entertain. Right? Some of it's supposed to stir our emotions or to make us think yeah. about who and what we are, and about what people are willing to do in extreme circumstances. Absolutely, yes. For example, compare the exciting violence of Finnbogi Saga to the tragic violence that permeates Njal Saga. Mm-hmm. In the former, we've got Finnboy wrestling bears and killing bad guys in almost cartoon-like fashion. Almost cartoon-like? There was a talking bear, wasn't there? So, okay, yes. cartoon-like fashion. <laughs> Thoroughly cartoon-like. In, in Y'all Saga, uh, I, I can think of several violent moments that evoke very different feelings. Go mm. back and read Gunnar's death or the burning of Njol. Both ask us to examine the line between what we consider acceptable and unacceptable. Which now isn't to say that Njol Saga doesn't also contain some fun bits of violence. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't forget Kari Solmundersen lopping the head off Cole while he was counting out his money. It's a satisfying and entertaining moment, and I think it's meant to be. Right. But uh, that pleasant feeling you get when Cole's head leaves his shoulders is built upon the foundations established by what you felt when Yaw was burned and your investment in his character and Kari's mission to avenge him. And if we want to get all lit professory on this, we can go further to explore how all of this reveals something about the culture that produced and consumed a text like this. Uh Uh, We could also explore how conflict in the sagas reflect complex and evolving social and political relationships. We could also uh, talk about a culture that would create something like Liam Neeson's recent movies, but <laughs> right. but we won't, <clears throat> right? Right, we won't. 
uh, because it's time to kick off this quarter court and review the finest moments of best bloodshed from our last 10 sagas. And like last time, Andy and I met before we started recording to narrow the field of candidates from 10 to 5. Which means we have had to leave out a few good ones. I'm sorry, Vapnaford Lacuna. You've had your day to shine. <laughs> That's not an obscure reference at all. <laughs> yes, sorry, Lacuna. <laughs> uh, it wasn't easy narrowing this down to just five. No, uh, although you and I had a lot of the same ones, so I assume we've done a pretty good job of selecting the right five best bloodshed winners to bring to the quarter court. Yes, I think you did a good job of uh, correctly guessing what I would pick. (laughs) Is that right? Uh, All right, since I babbled through most of this introduction uh, to the category, why don't you go first, John? My pleasure. All right, uh, let's start this one off with a bit of mass murder. Oh, I like your style so far. My first nominee is Freydis Eric's daughter for the slaughter of 30 men and five women from her own expedition to Vinland. This is a big one to be starting with. I'm kind of surprised you didn't start small. (laughs) That's a little short on details, but it definitely deals out the bloodshed in bulk. Mm -hmm. Freydis conned her husband into capturing a group of Greenlanders and Icelanders by claiming their leaders had mistreated her. Which, well, it wasn't true. No, no. They'd actually been really accommodating, which wasn't easy because she'd been trying to provoke them into a fight. But she got impatient, had her husband capture the entire group, and then ordered her men to kill them all. And so they slaughtered 30 men whose hands had already been bound. But even these men, who were willing to lop the heads off helpless prisoners, balked at killing the five women in the group. And at that point, Freitas just said, hand me an axe, and hacked all five of them to pieces. I don't know that she hacked them to pieces, but she did well. hack them enough to kill them. And it's brutal. Um, I know we talked about it at the time, but Freitas is a great case study in how different authors have different motives behind what they write. Mm-hmm. In Eric's saga, uh, remember Eric the Red, I assume, uh, Freitas yep. is there too. And she's actually a pretty admirable figure who successfully scares mm-hmm. off a group of attacking Skraelings while eight months pregnant. Yep. But in Greenlander's saga. Well, in Greenlander, she's a blood-soaked Lizzie Borden. <laughs> Lizzie Borden was an amateur. She only killed her parents, right? <laughs> oh, well, okay. Technically, she was acquitted. So, officially, she didn't kill anyone. Ah, there you go. Actually, anyone who repeats that Lizzie Borden took an axe rhyme is probably guilty of slander. I mean, she's been dead for almost 100 years, but still. Uh, if there's <laughs> one thing we know around here, it's slanderous verses. Well, we know they cause trouble. Uh, it wasn't Lizzie Borden from right around where you live, John? So familiar. Yeah, actually, just down just down the road in Fall River. Uh-huh. Um I don't know whether most states would be proud of something like that, but we've got the Salem witch trials in our neighborhood, too. So our standards are a little different here in Eastern Mass. <laughs> Someone should be doing a podcast on the best murders in each state in America. I, yes, that would be cool. But best murders sounds a little tasteless, doesn't it? John, we are judging a category called best bloodshed, and we're about to do body count. So I don't think we can judge. Well, I know we're tasteless. I was making a more general statement. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Uh, I also wanted to point out that Freitas' axe job also skews the entire body count density measurement scale we've been working on. Yeah. A massacre of nearly three dozen people in a very short saga messes up the average. It's very inconsiderate of her. But uh-huh. uh, okay, that's a great nominee. I like it. Thank you. So what have you got? Well, my first one doesn't go back far at all. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast in order, which is by no means a requirement, uh, although I imagine doing it randomly would seem weird. Right. Uh, but right. you'll have no trouble remembering Helgi Droplogerson taking a sword to the face. Ah, an excellent choice. Yes. If you do need a refresher, then sit back and enjoy. In this scene, we find Helgi Droplogerson exchanging blows with Hirandi during an ambush set by Helgi Asbjarnason. 
Helgi D had already sent a spear into Helgi A's leg, and another one through Thord Cormorant's, um, tender bits. Oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. I just started walking normally again. <laughs> Were you experiencing a bit of sympathy pain there, John? Well, it's hard not to. Carry on, carry on. Well, Helgi D is fighting Hirandi, and, well, I'll let the saga represent itself here. Helgi dropped Logerson's shield, got badly hacked, and he saw that it would be of no use to him with things the way they were. Then Helgi showed his skill in arms, and threw up his shield and sword, and caught the sword in his left hand, and struck at Hirandi, hitting him in the thigh. But the sword did not cut after it reached the bone, and it glanced off down into the hollow of the knee, and he was disabled by that wound. But in that moment, Hirandi struck at Helgi. He warded off the blow with the shield, and the sword sprang off into his face, and onto his row of teeth taking off the lower lip. Oof. And as everyone already knows, Helgi stuffs his beard in his mouth, bites down on it, and then continues to battle his way towards his target, Helgi Esbjarnarsson. Yeah, see, that's what Best Bloodshed is all about. It is indeed. Um, and what's your second candidate, John? Oh, my second nominee is Thorgir Bottleback from mm. Redder's Saga. Good, yeah. And if you didn't nominate him, I was going to. Yeah. He's good. Uh, Thorgir was the target of an assassination attempt by Thorfinn, a farmhand of Thorgir's enemy, Flossi Eriksson. Thorfinn ran up behind Thorgir and buried an axe in his back and then turned and ran away. But Thorgir was carrying a leather bottle of booze and fermented whey on his back under his cloak. And Thorfinn's axe just split the bottle open. Yeah, I think the best part of that story is that Thorgir has friends with him, but they're laughing so hard that no one That's can right. go after Thorfinn. <laughs> That's right. It's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, it's not the one I'm nominating. Oh, really? Now you're just being difficult. Well, I mean, there's no bloodshed for one thing. I just had to remind you of that story so I could tell you this one. Okay. Sometime later, Thorgir and Flosi's men both claim a beached whale. Flossie's men have already started in on butchering the whale when Thorgir's crew arrives, and the two sides begin a massive brawl on and around the whale carcass. Mm. Neither side is properly armed for battle, so they're fighting with flensing knives, chunks of blubber, rib bones, <laughs> rocks, and fists. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, it's, a, it's so good. Uh, in the middle of all this, Thorgir sees the incompetent assassin Thorfinn up at the head of the whale. Thorgir runs up the whale's spine, jumping and dodging fights. As he reaches Thorfinn, he whips out the axe that Thorfinn left behind and bellows, Thorfinn, I'm returning your axe! And cleaves Thorfinn's head in half with a single blow. Yeah, I cannot believe that that one didn't win because that's such a clever line. But it's yeah. from Gretcher's saga. And I think you'll see in Notable Witticism that there are some better things to consider. Well, certainly another fine candidate. Yeah. But um, it, I think we said uh, before when we, we actually recorded that episode, if I had the budget, this is probably the first thing I'd make a short film of. <laughs> You'd also need a whale. Well, that's why I need a budget. I got to get ah, a, a dead whale. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. So so that's definitely a favorite, especially if we're Black weighing. market dead whale. <laughs> especially if we're weighing <laughs> ridiculousness. Uh, that'll definitely be hard to beat. And I hope it gets a lot of votes because um, it's been a fan favorite for a long time, mm -hmm. I think. Um, however, if we're weighing cruelty inventiveness and pain instead of ridiculousness then my next candidate will give uh will give the whale carcass a run for its money yeah i know where you're going and it's probably the worst death we've seen in the sagas up to this point oh without a doubt uh, of course this one is from the saga of the people of rekedal and mm -hmm. killer skuta a man called grim enters the saga and quickly bites off more than he can chew by getting involved in a plot to kill skuta 
As we've seen many times before, the assassin is sent to work at the farm of the target, and as it usually happens, things don't exactly go according to plan. One day when they're walking together, Skuta bends down to tie a shoestring. Right, which is often a motif used when we want to show one man testing another man's loyalty. Exactly. And in this case, Grimm is exactly the kind of scoundrel that Skuta expects him to be. Grimm attacks very quickly, but his sword glances off Skuta's mail coat. That's right, he's wearing the mithril coat underneath. That's right. And Skuta grabs Grimm's hands and asks why he turned out to be so shifty and false. Mm. Grimm then immediately, as these assassins often do, spills right. the beans and tells him that Thorgir put him up to it. He begs Skuta for a peaceful resolution, but Skuta promises nothing. Instead, as the saga says, Skuta took Grimm out to an island in the Mivatn Lake, entirely naked. Then mm. he tied him to a stake and said that he would be there for some time, unless Thorgir saved him. Sadly for Grimm, Thorgir chose to do nothing. And mm. Grimm, as the saga tells us, died there on the island and was tormented most by hunger and midge bites because he was without clothes. And John, in my opinion, that is the nastiest bit of bloodshed that we've seen. You know, I think we talked about this once before, but I just I cannot imagine how awkward that rowboat ride out to the island must have been. <laughs> because the saga clearly indicates that he strips him before they get in the rowboat. Yeah. That's a pretty awkward ride out to the island. I, think. I think it's awkward for Grimm, probably not so much for Skuta. Possibly. Yeah. Um, well, it's definitely the most excruciating death we've seen. Yeah. So I believe you have uh, another one? I do have one more, and it's a great one. Uh, not for carnage or brutality, maybe, but for style. Oh, I know exactly where you're uh, headed. From Njal's saga, I nominate Scarpaven Njalsson's Ice Capades killing of Thrain Sigvison. <laughs> yeah, we have to include that one. <laughs> so, the Njalsons and their brother-in-law Kari are waiting in ambush for Thrain Sigvison and his friends. When they spring their ambush, Thrain's group is caught on the ice in the middle of a frozen river. As the Njalsons run at their enemies, Scarpaven's shoelace breaks, and he stops to tie it. But since he doesn't want to miss the fun, he then runs up an embankment, launches himself onto the ice, and slides ahead of his brothers. Before Thrain can prepare himself, Scarpe then shoots past, smashing his axe through Thrain's face so that the jawbone and teeth are sent skittering across the ice. Chicklets. But he can't stop himself, and so Scarpe then skates right past the rest of Thrain's men and out of the fight. Yeah, there's a reason that this is one of the most famous killings in all of saga literature. It really is. Um, ice skating is an entirely different kind of sport in the sagas, and this killing is equal parts exhilarating, brutal, and funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what would Brian Boitano do as answered by Quentin Tarantino. I like it, yes. He'd murder his enemy and skate on through. That's what Scarpe and Boitano do. <laughs> um, so those are our candidates. Uh, Freitas gives her enemies 40 wax. Helga Drup Lagerson fails his tryout as a sword swallower. <laughs> Thorgir Bottleback climbs a whale to return an axe. Grim the Outlaw is sacrificed to the Lord of the Flies. And Scarpaven successfully executes a triple sow cow and Thrain Sigvison simultaneously. Okay. And because this is a quarter court, John and I will not be picking the winner. Nope. That's your job. And you've got a tough decision to make, fair listeners. We've selected five good candidates for you. John, you said five. Before we, we, we wrap this up, could I maybe tack one more on there? No. <laughs> but I think I think our <laughs> listeners would be upset if I didn't because... Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. You remember poor Thord Cormorant hanging there by his scrotum. <laughs> you, want to, you want to put in a fan favorite? I, I think people were... I got some emails. Yeah, <laughs> people, people were upset, were upset that we, we didn't choose that one. So yep. 
I think it's only fair for the fans that we add that as one more. Thord Cormorant right. taking Helgi's spear yeah. through his his nethers. Yeah. Thord Cormorant uh, riding a broom the hard way. <laughs> right. Uh, All right. Yeah. So All we'll right. add that. So we'll put that one in there just so, so that people who felt cheated uh, can can have their chance to vote for that one. There you go. So I will send out a poll for Best Bloodshed via Twitter and Facebook at some point in the near future. But if you miss those posts, just visit the website sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com and all polls will be there and open for voting until September 30th. Excellent. On to the next category. Body, Body count. count. This one's heavy on the numbers. In our <laughs> in our body count section, we usually provide a tally of the uh, all the untimely deaths mentioned in the saga that we've just covered. Right. Even though we may occasionally debate what should or shouldn't be counted, we generally come to an agreement. Generally, we do. That's right. Now, Andy, if I remember correctly, uh, the body count from our first quarter court was kind of low. I guess it was in relative terms. We had a total of 342. Um, which isn't that great spread out over 10 sagas, especially mm-hmm. when you consider that 101 of those came from Erebidja Saga and 75 from Gizli Saga. Mm. That means that only, what, the eight remaining sagas offered 166 bodies? That's correct, and that's a fair breakdown of what happened. I mean, we had a few sagas with a really low body count there, like uh, Bandamana Saga. Bandamana Saga. Bandamana Saga. Uh, that one only had four. Yeah. But yeah, generally speaking, the sagas from the first quarter court averaged around 20 bodies, give or take five. Wait, give or take five? <laughs> I think that's a reasonable way to include more. Um, has it occurred to you how just how morbid this conversation is yet? It has, yes, but uh, we've never shied away from the morbid before. No. Uh, In fact, I seem to remember you taking the opportunity to craft a clever word problem out of Brothier's unfortunate trip around the old oak tree. (laughs) You know me, John. I'll seize any occasion to uh, practice my math skills. Got a lot of catching up to do. (laughs) Right. Remember me never to attend a funeral with you. Uh, (laughs) Okay, now here's the real question. Uh, You've done all the body count totals for our second quarter court. Correct. I suspect the body count is going to be a bit higher than our first ten sagas. That's quite right. Uh, thanks to Gretir, Freydis, Finbogi, uh, Killer Skuta, and the various sword-swinging factions of Njal Saga, we've got a, mm-hmm. a pretty impressive total this time around. Ooh. Did we manage to double the number from the first quarter court? It was close, but not, not quite. Mm. We, again, we had 342 last time. For the second quarter court, we piled up a total of 625 bodies. Wow. That is a lot of bodies. Uh, that's, uh, what, 967 total so far in Saga Thing. Yeah. And like you said, we have Greta to thank for almost a quarter of the bodies in this, uh, in this quarter. Well, he didn't do it alone, but yes, Greta Saga provided 146 bodies. Now, but that wasn't our high water mark, right? No. Yal no. Saga didn't slouch when it came to body count, I know that. No, you're right. Uh, we got 221 bodies from Yal mm-hmm. Saga, uh, partly thanks to the, uh, the Battle of Klontarf. Okay, so which means that those two sagas alone account for more than half our body count total for the second quarter. True, but uh, the shorter sagas had respectable totals as well. Four of them had a total of 40 or more, and mm-hmm. actually three of the four had 50 or more, which I think is impressive. And only Thorstein the White had a total below 10, but that was a weird little saga. Oh, it was short, I'll grant you. I don't know if it was weird. Okay, fine. You're right. Lame. It was lame. Oh, no, it was not lame, but I'm not going to let you drag me into that argument again. Good. Thank you. So uh, what about the body count density measurement? We didn't have that last time. 
That's right. Uh, we started calculating the BCDM partway through the second quarter. You uh, this, love your acronym, don't you? I, oh, I think it, it just rolls off the tongue. It's cute. <laughs> this little statistical innovation was actually suggested by Greg Rice, who thought that the body count alone could be a little bit misleading if we didn't also consider saga length. Mm-hmm. And because page count varies between translations and a simple word count in Old Norse versions just isn't as much fun, we decided to calculate the BCDM by a simple ratio of bodies to Hromkels, our preferred method of measuring saga length. It only made sense. Right. And since we didn't do this in our last quarter court, uh, what were the numbers like for the first 10 sagas we covered? Well, like we've mentioned in the past couple episodes, there's definitely a sweet spot for deaths to Hrofenkel's ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the sagas we covered tend to have a BCDM somewhere between 16 and 24, which is somewhat broad, but you know, generally it's around 20. Sure. Um, in fact, 11 of the 20 sagas we've done on this podcast fit neatly into that range. Mm-hmm. But uh, since you asked about last time, our two highest scores were the Saga of Eric the Red, uh, which had a BCDM of 44.83. Sure. And Gisli Saga with 34.25. And I think it's interesting that the two highest are the trips to the New World. Oh, yeah. Right? Greenlander right. Saga, in this case, said 70-something, oh, right? It's a dangerous, dangerous place to go. <laughs> really? Uh, I think the, the key is don't hang around anyone related to Eric the Red. Right. <laughs> and technically, Airbridge's saga includes a trip to the New World, so uh, the fact yeah. that they had 101 killings is also pretty impressive. Yeah. And the uh, the lowest that we had last time was Bunda Monosaga. I don't think that's Bunda surprising. Bunda Monosaga. Right. Uh, with a pathetic 3.23. Oh, interesting. Now, for the second quarter, I know Greenlander's saga got the highest score, right? Right. Like we said, uh, thanks to Freyda's Slaughter of the Innocents, <laughs> Greenlander's saga earned a BCDM of 70.42. Yeah, I know we said that before but i think we'll be shocked if we find a saga to beat that score yeah well done freitas i guess yeah yeah go down in history Mm. Uh, now none of the other sagas really approach that total regardless of length our two longest sagas gretter and y'all both landed in the sweet spot of around 20 and just for the sake of comparison so did the saga of droplog sons which is barely more than a ravakel in length right which is what makes the bcdm so interesting at least to us yeah, just us. Um, now, I'm sure most of our listeners have already tuned out, so uh, and don't worry, I get it. Numbers do that to me, too. But I want to share one more quick statistic with you before we go. There's more? Just a little. I, I thought you might like to know how many kills we've read so far. Well, I mean, it's not something I've given a lot of thought to, but now that you've brought it up, I'm intrigued. Go. I thought you would be. Now, assuming your numbers have always been accurate so far. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would you assume otherwise? I'm not going to answer that, but I'm assuming that your numbers are accurate. Um, and if that's true, we read a total of 16.5 Hrofenkels in the first quarter. Really? I have to say, I felt a little more. I think the Poet Saga slowed things down for you. They weren't yeah, that long. Yeah, that's probably it. They were, boy, those were a slog. What about this quarter? <laughs> in this quarter, we read 30.85 Hrofenkels, almost twice what we read ah. in the first 10 sagas. That explains why it's been more than two years since our last quarter quarter. Well, we uh, did spend nine months on Y'all Saga. True. And that's okay. I think good sagas deserve attention. Exactly. And and that means, if we add it all up, we've read a total of 47.35 Hrofenkels so far. Not bad. Not bad at all. Now, I have no idea how many Hrofenkels there are in the family sagas, but I'm very curious to see the numbers when we finally finish. So, we're definitely finishing this thing, people. (laughs) Speaking of finishing, uh, how do you feel about putting this section to bed? No problem. Um, I'm going to take it upstairs and tuck it in while you get yourself another beer. And then you go on ahead without me. 
nicknames. Oh, good. It's time for nicknames. Oh, good. It's time for my nap. Oh, uh, see, you said something similar last time. I you know? say it all the time. I, I assume everyone knows this is a posture on your part. You're as much of a geek about this stuff as I am. As much of is maybe a little strong, but I am interested. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Oh, uh, well, your, your mild interest is sort of appreciated. And I'm often uh, kind of impressed. There you go. I'm excited. This is the category that keeps on giving, right? Even a saga that might disappoint in its plot or its authorial stylings can usually be counted on for a few great names. Thorstein the White. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Very generous of you. <laughs> and it's also true that this is probably the, the toughest category to come up with the five contenders. I mean, I hate leaving out any of the names that have won in their own sagas. There's so many good ones. Well, I mean, it's quite a roster. I mean, the first quarter court, uh, we had Havdan the open-handed but stingy with meat, beating out the likes of Odni Isle Candle, Gunlaug Serpentongue, Thorkel Scratcher, Scratcher, and Thorbjorg Shipbreast. Oh, Thorbjorg. <laughs> I still don't understand why she didn't win. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> Halfdan's name is The Open-Handed But Stingy With Meat. That That's hard to beat. <laughs> I don't know. I would think but some Shipbreast right. would you're right. get it done. Thorbjorg was a crowd favorite. Yeah. Well, we'll be seeing Halfdan again in the finals, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, who have we got this time in the second quarter court? Well, as always, we had to cut some worthy contenders. Um, so I want to take a moment to remember those who didn't make the cut. Thorfinn Karlsefni, which is uh, Thorfinn, the makings of a man from Greenlander's mm-hmm. saga. Thorfinn, the greatest of explorers, mm-hmm. paragon of masculine yes. virtue. Are you done? Because your your shameless promotion of your own thingman is pretty embarrassing to witness. Embarrassing? As I recall, you chose his infant son, Snorri Thorfinnson, for that saga. Hey, he's a good kid. Famous for being the only named European born in North America in the medieval period. Wow. And he grows up to be a renowned farmer and a good man. <laughs> I have no regrets. He grows up to be a renowned farmer. That's wow. right. So uh, who else did we reject? Uh, let's see. Uh, Thorkel Skin Swathed from Viglund Saga. Okay. Trani Gold Hat from Thorstein the White Saga. Aww. Urthercott from Finboya Saga. Oh, you mean uh, Wildcat. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, uh, you know, that one was sort of a cheat on our part because Urthacott yeah. wasn't a nickname per se, to be honest. Uh, it was it was the name given to Finborg as a, as a boy. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons we shunned him for this competition. That kind of shady dealing may fly in your <laughs> saga, Finboya, but we won't have that nonsense here at the quarter court. <laughs> okay. So uh, who made it in, John? Well, our first candidate is Thorgir Butterring from Rickadal Saga. My hero. Of course it is. <laughs> Thorgeir was famous in his bit part for his love of bread and butter sandwiches. Well, I mean, he, he definitely wasn't famous for his stealthy sneak attacks. No, definitely not. <laughs> Remember, this is the man who was hired by Vaymond Fringe to hit Vaymond's enemy, Steingrim Ornolfsson, with a sheep's head. <laughs> and we were pretty distracted by Thorgeir and his idiocy at the time. But uh, the sheep's head thing is interesting. And it, mm-hmm. it, it probably carries a scorn pole significance, perhaps. So it's more effective embarrassment than we probably give it credit for. But he still yeah, didn't but- do well. Right, and Thorgir's entire plan was to slap Steingrim on the back of the head with a dead sheep and then run away screaming. It's not a great stratagem. No, uh, Sun Tzu would not approve of that. I, I fear not. No. Uh, still a great nickname, though. Uh, Thorgir Butterring won top honors over Thorir Leatherneck, Ingvild Everyone's Sister, Vaymund Fringe, and Thorberg Cheekstruck. <laughs> right there? Ingvild. That name is so funny to me. <laughs> I know. 
Um, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if I can get through this. That uh, that's a nickname that would have won in another saga. Yeah, maybe. Uh, now next we have our favorite from Droplagras on a saga, Thorgrim skin cap, or as I still prefer, Thorgrim birthday suit. Oh, I think I liked. Uh, I liked. We called him Thorgrim uh, the streaker, but I I, I like <laughs> Thorgrim skin suit was the, yes. the name that we, uh, yes. we kind of settled on. Uh, this yes. is the guy whose wife divorced him and threw all of his clothes into the cesspit on her way out, which is That's coincidentally him. the way that I'm going. Once the podcast ends, it's what I'm going to do to you. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. I'll just wrap my beard around myself for warmth. Oh, that's good. Uh, Thorgrim had to wrap a bedsheet around himself uh, and then run to his neighbor for help. But his neighbor, Thorarin Moldgrub, refused to help Thorgrim with his divorce problem until he put on some pants. Well, it's just good manners. Yeah. Now, Thorgrim beat out several other good choices in the saga. His neighbor, Moldgrub, for example. Mm-hmm. But also uh, Tova Hillson, Porridge Atley, Thorgrim the Dung Beetle. And Gethyun the Skilled in Magic, who are uh, all contenders. I think I start to see what you're up to. You're going to mention mm-hmm. the people that won, but every single person that didn't win also. Nope, just a handful of ridiculous ones. It's a very clever way to sneak in more nicknames. Anyway, by the way, John, we had a comment from Doug Nordwall about Thorgrim's nickname. Uh, mm-hmm. Doug pointed out that we missed the boat by talking about a guy named Skinsuit and then not mentioning uh, Naubrook. The dead man's pants? That's right, yes. Uh, well, necro pants, really. <laughs> Sure. For those of you who don't know, there's a ritual, which is probably folkloric, that involved flaying off a dead man's skin from the waist down and wearing them as a kind of uh, long johns. Ugh. Yeah, well spotted, Doug. We should have mentioned those, actually. Uh, they are freaky, disturbing, and a little ridiculous, which, uh, frankly, is right in our wheelhouse. That's right. Uh, we should be clear that the necropants are almost certainly ahistorical and might not mm. even have been known to the Saga Age audience. Oh, spoil sport. Ah, well. Did Speaking of which, did you know that there's a pair of replica Nalrok uh, on display at the Museum of Icelandic Sorcery and Witchcraft in Reykjavik? I have seen image of them, and they're disturbing. And uh, <laughs> distressingly ana- anatomically correct. <laughs> it's correct. It's true. Yeah. Thanks, Doug, for uh, putting that image in our heads for the rest of the day. Yeah. Right, now, while we're on the subject of anatomical accuracy, uh, let's talk about another contender for best nickname mm-hmm. title. The inimitable... Ivar Beitil. Are you doing this one? I can explain it if you so desire. Beer break for me. Ivar is the grandfather of Onund Treeleg, a very heroic and wonderful person. And, yes, he is. And his name, Beitil, means fescue grass, mm-hmm. horsetail weed, or horse penis. Yeah, that last one is a popular translation. Yes, and amazingly, we're actually being polite with that phrasing. Yeah. Uh, we should warn you that if you're listening to this podcast with children, you should really re-examine your life choices. <laughs> That's but more true. importantly, we're about to get fairly vulgar. Uh, so maybe fast forward about 30 seconds. The translation proposed by a number of scholars is horsecock. Uh, so, okay. That but barely gave it, them time to do anything. I mean, as they're reaching for the pause button, getting their phone going, you're, you're already saying horsecock. Right. Horse cockerel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, okay, but what if it doesn't refer to horse genitals? What if it just means fescue grass? Is that really the sort of nickname we want in the quarter court? Be fair, John. It doesn't refer to horse genitals. It refers to a man with horse-sized genitals. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for clearing that up. It's a great name. I thought you did a nice well, job of uncovering it. 
Uh-huh. Uh, well, Ivar had a tougher competition than anyone else except maybe the Dungbeardlings. There were over 100 nicknames in Gretter's Saga, including Arnor Harrynose, Kolbjorn the Scurrilous, Girmund Wobbler, Ulvir the Child Sparer, Thorger Bottleback, and Eric Ale Eager. Olvir Child Sparer? I know. Hey, he, he got the name for refusing to throw babies onto spears. <laughs> Amazing. Um, if <laughs> Incidentally, if Matt Smith, uh, our illustrator friend, is listening, mm. please draw me an Arnor Harry nose. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know Gearman Wobbler. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's uh, not so good on his feet. Uh, anyway. But he doesn't uh, fall down. Ivar's nickname is going to be hard to beat, I think. I don't know. I think our listeners are childish, so it's going to be a good one. Well, but our next contestant is a group entry from Njal's saga for the Dungbeardlings. That's right. Njal's sons, Scarpaven, Grimm, Helgi, and Hoskold. Ah, yes. This was a nasty bit of slander from the Njalsons' enemy, Holgerth Longlegs. Right. She smears them with this nickname, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as a way of insulting their father and calling their parentage into question. As the sons of a beardless man, Holgerth says... The Njalsons had to cart dung to their faces so they'd have beards like other men. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, the Dung Beardlings took the best nickname prize from the longest of all sagas. So that's got to count for something. But I will it be so. enough to win the quarter court? So is that all of them? No, that's only four candidates. Ah, good. Okay, that's what I thought. Can I add one? I mean, I, I do have a fifth here, but no, you go right ahead. I mean, I like to get involved. So, you know, sure. I don't mind if I do. Right I on. want to nominate Thormod Stickstarer from Vopnafir the Saga. Oh, well, that's a good one. It's not the one I had, but go on. Interesting. I'm curious what you had. Uh, Thormod isn't a hugely important figure in the saga, but Stickstarer is an interesting nickname. Uh-huh. I like the construction we put on it, that the manuscripts generally give his name as Stikublinder, or Stickblind, rather than Stikubliger, Stickstarer. Yeah. Now, we decided that that name might be a reference to Thormod having a woodland stolen out from under him by his neighbor Thord and brought Helgi. True, but we also posited that it was uh, after he was found dead under the pile of sticks. Right. And uh, right. he had his eyes open staring at the, mm-hmm. that pile. Um, I, I really like both of those. So yeah. uh, so that's mine. What, what did you have? Well, this is going back a ways, but do you remember a minor controversy back when we did Vatnsdala Saga? Oh, that's before Njal. Uh, I don't really remember much in the uh, the the era that we now call BN. <laughs> B- sounds distressingly like BM. Yeah, uh, are we? It felt AN like AN now or PN. Oh, what's PN? Post Njal? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, okay. Anyway, the the point is, we had a debate over a man named Thorolf Sledgehammer. Oh yes. A sorcerer with twenty large black cats. That guy. Yeah, you were yeah. scared of his little kitties. No, I was making the point that the cats were clearly presented as jungle cats, not fuzzy little mousers. They're not jungle cats. Get out of here. I'd like to put you in a cage of 20 pumas and see whether you'd be scared of the putty tats. <laughs> they're not pumas. <laughs> they're they're just big cats, like normal, oh. like uh, rough and tumble mm-hmm. alley cats. Yeah. Now, 20 Sylvester the cats, not scary. <laughs> no. Uh, my point is that even without his 20 vicious panthers... Panthers now. Thorolf Sledgehammer is called Thorolf freaking Sledgehammer. Uh, That's a badass name, and I think it deserves consideration. So how do we decide? I mean, we, we did do six for Best Bloodshed. 
I don't think we do decide. I mean, yeah, this is for the listeners, right? Stick them both on the list with the others and let the voters choose. All right. I mean, it's unorthodox. We, uh, you know, last time around it was five for each category. But uh, we seem to be doing something different now. Okay. Those are your candidates. Thorgrim Skinsuit, Thorgare Buttering, the Dung Beardling <laughs> Njalsons, Ivar Horsecock, Thorolf Sledgehammer, and Thormod Sticksterer. It's quite a crew. All right. I like it. On to the next category, which is... Notable Witticisms. Now, I think the title Notable Witticism speaks for itself at this point, but if you really want to know, this is the category where we highlight the best one-liners, bits of humor, and insults in the sagas. Now, before we start, uh, can I ask a quick question? Mm, Sure. Go ahead. All right. Uh, You were allowed to sneak in Thord Cormorant's scrotum piercing into Best Bloodshed. I was. Even though it uh, didn't win Best Bloodshed and dropped Lagos on a saga. Mm Mm-hmm. So will you allow me to add a similar candidate to Notable Witticisms? Possibly, but I want to point out that we haven't even gone over the five we did select just yet, so what's the hurry? No hurry. Carry on. I can wait till the end. Hmm. See, but now you've piqued my curiosity. I kind of want to know, what is this? Uh, Patience you must have, my young Padawan. And there it goes. Nope, don't care anymore. You can't add to this category. (laughs) Oh, I'm gonna. And who doesn't love Yoda? Okay, what's your first candidate, John? Uh, our first little candidate is a nasty bit of shaming from Viglund Saga. Ah. Now, this happens shortly after Viglund has suffered a slight head injury, which he has not yet avenged. His, uh, his rival threw a ball that split Viglund's eyebrow open. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about the vulnerability of masculinity in saga literature. Uh, men were expected to be hypervigilant at all times to any slight against their virility. Sure, and it's an important part in the Game of Honor, and we, we kind of mm-hmm. saw that in the uh, the Thatcher for the Saga Shorts, uh, Thorstein Staffstruck, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And, and in some ways, it is the Game of Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the other admirable traits a man might possess won't save him from social stigma of not being thought a man. Gotta be Which thought means man. that when Thorgrim, Viglund's father, greets his sons, Trousty and Viglund, with a hearty, Welcome home, my son and daughter. <laughs> The effect is to shame Vigland, but also to warn him of the danger to his honor. Yeah. And since a bandage is wrapped across Vigland's forehead and around his face, Thorgrim's also having a little joke about the bandage's similarity to a woman's wimple. Right. Now, a modern reader can find other gendered readings in this text, and rightly so, but in the saga's own register, Thorgrim is clearly commenting on the damage done to his son's honor. Absolutely. That that injury to Vigland's eyebrow led to a real... Loss of face. Um, for the record, John just mimed putting on sunglasses. You know, you describing what I'm doing all the way from Ohio is really stating the obvious. Please stop that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let me just put away my imaginary glasses and okay. What have you got? Stating the obvious, yeah. <laughs> Ohio's a state. We get it. Uh, well, my first one isn't my favorite, but I do think it's worth considering. Oh, wait. The listeners are going to decide. Don't reveal your biases and try to influence our voters. Uh, I don't think you have to worry here, John. I, I don't think we could possibly change the outcome of this category if we tried. It's going one of two ways in my mind. 
Well, now you just announced that we're wasting everybody's time right now, but go ahead. What's your first and most unworthy candidate? It's not unworthy. It's just not as fun as some of the things we have coming up. But uh, this one comes from Vattenstahl Saga. It's uh-huh. after Ingolf Thorstensson has been caught running around with Valgard. He's summoned to court by her father, Otar, for writing verses to her after being strictly forbidden to see her. Ah, that Ingolf. Such a ladies' man. He was, and it's been so long since we talked about him that I'd forgotten how much fun we had with, with mm-hmm. Vattenstall Saga. Uh, it was, it, I, I really liked going over the, the episodes again, kind of preparing yep. for this court, remembering all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Ingolf couldn't help himself and kept romancing Valgard, prompting Otar to seek compensation in court for the dishonor to his family. The dishonor he suffered because Ingolf wrote love poems. Correct. And that's Otar's prerogative. If he doesn't want his daughter hanging out with Ingolf, it's his business. He doesn't want his daughter's clean reputation spoiled by rumors of premarital affairs with the handsomest guy in Iceland. Well. Now, when Jokul Ingemunderson, Ingolf's uncle, hears about the case against his nephew, he grows furious. Now, if you remember from Finnbogisaga, Jokul isn't exactly the most balanced guy around. No. Um, a bit top-heavy. <laughs> he's definitely unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a little bit crazy. Now, mm-hmm. in this case, he complains of the disgrace to the family if a kinsman of theirs were to be outlawed in their own lands. And because Thorstein was growing old, there wouldn't be anyone to defend Ingolf in court properly. But never fear, Jokul has a solution. Mm-hmm. Though we are not well-versed in the law, he says, we will render this case void with our axe hammers. I think it's very funny that you felt the need to stop in the middle of doing that voice to say, he says. I don't know why I did that. In case it wasn't people... clear that this was... <laughs> yeah, this was him talking. I had to make, make sure everyone knew. It's uh, not me line, now. Though. Yeah, uh, not exactly the uh, the kind of humorous thing we often pick or particularly witty, but I like it for its bluntness. It speaks to the volatility of legal conflicts in the sagas quite nicely, so that's why I included yeah. it. And we've seen on more than one occasion where a case that's tried the thing can be interrupted by violence, or at least the threat of violence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when the legal solution doesn't pan out as expected for the stronger party. And there you go. So uh, it's not a winner, like I mm-hmm. said, but uh, a good one to remember as we wrap up the second quarter of Sagas. I really feel like you're prejudicing the voters here. I don't think they're going to choose it anyway, so who cares? All right. All right. Now, I feel confident that your next candidate will probably impress a bit better than Yoko's line. For the record, your logic is why we don't have third parties in this country, but okay. Uh, <laughs> what? Now, this this next... Tra- <laughs> They're only going to pick from two. Why do you need oh, a third one? Oh, see? Uh, this next one isn't so much a winner for its saga. It's more a representative of the winner. Uh, we awarded Best Witticism in Njal Saga as a kind of lifetime achievement award to Scarpe the Njalsson, who's well one of the snarkiest people in all the sagas and has too many great lines to count. Yeah, I think we actually threatened to rename the award the Scarpathen. Yeah, we may have been a little delirious when we finally got the judgments for Nal Saga. <laughs> I, I still think it's a fair thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but uh, which of Scarpathen's one-liners are we going to use as his representative? Well, I think we stick with the one we used at the time, which is probably one of the dirtiest, grossest ones. Okay, excellent. Let's do it. So before their lawsuit... Uh, to defend the killing of Hoskel Thrainson, Scarpathen and his family travel from one booth to another at the All Thing looking for support. Mm-hmm. Their last stop is at the booth of Thorkel Bully, a loudmouthed chieftain whose enemy has already refused to support the Njalsons. They ask Thorkel for support, but he responds with a kind of nasty arrogance, 
and then asks who the wicked and luckless fellow in the in the group is. Is it Mr. Tenardier? Yeah. Uh, and, and that is Scarpathen that he's pointing right, out, of course. Of course. Uh, and Scarpathen decides to let loose on him, right? This guy's clearly not going to help them, so he doesn't feel any reason to hold back. He says, My name is Scarpathen, and there's no need for you to pick out insulting words for me. It's never happened that I threatened my own father or fought him as you've done with yours. Also, you haven't come to the All Thing often or taken part in lawsuits, since you're probably handier at dairy work amidst your little household at Oxara. You really ought to pick from between your teeth the pieces of the mare's arse you ate before riding to the thing. Your shepherd watched you and was shocked that you'd do such a filthy thing. <laughs> I, I love the last part, especially. Just the oh, idea of the God. shepherd watching. The shepherd watching, yes. <laughs> it's a barrage of insults. Yeah. And he actually keeps it up. Finally threatened to kill Thorkel if he doesn't sit down and shut up. Yep. Uh, it's not Scarpathen's cleverest line. He's actually... Uh, usually more known for his wry wit, but it's a brilliant takedown of an arrogant man. Yeah. Uh, and it works, by the way. Incidentally, when the word of this insult gets back to Thorkel's enemy, the Njalsons gain a new supporter. So it's pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have no doubt that Scarpathen will get a lot of votes, but I don't think he'll get all of the votes. Oh, who could possibly compete with Scarpathen? Well, I think you're forgetting the brilliant uh, penis poems of your thingman, Gretchen S. Munderson. Oh, I can't forget that. <laughs> I like to think of these as the grower, not a shower poems. That's that's exactly right. It's very appropriate. Now, we had a lot of fun with these back in the fall of 2015. Oh uh, it's gosh. probably been a while since anyone's listened to those episodes, so I think it's worth the time to reset the scene. Right, absolutely. If I recall correctly, Gretter had already been outlawed. Correct. And, and I must say this, he had just swum through very cold water. True, and I think we emphasized that too much last time because <laughs> I don't think we can blame the cold water uh, for the resulting shrinkage. He swam through wreckiness through cold water, true, but he immediately ran to a hot pool and soaked for like the whole afternoon into the evening to warm up. So, <laughs> Yeah, but chilly air. Chilly oh, air. Chilly it's air, cool yeah. breeze. Nope, nope, that, that doesn't even work because yeah. after soaking in the hot water, he went to the living room of the farm he wanted to stay at and promptly fell asleep on the floor. And just to be clear, the saga explicitly tells us that there was a nice fire and the room stayed warm the whole night. So it's not cool air. There was a draft under the door. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, In the morning, the first to enter the living room are a servant girl and the farmer's daughter. And what they see on the floor surprises them. It's Grettir sleeping and his coverings had come off in the night. Right. And he's left his clothes off to dry. Correct. And he's quite the sight to behold. The serving girl looks at him and says, My goodness, sister, this is Gretras Munderson come here. And he looks big about the ribs, lying there with nothing on. But it seems to me very strange how little he has developed between the legs. And it is not in keeping with his size elsewhere. Oh, poor Gretter. It's caught in a bad spot. He really is. Right there by the draft of the door. (laughs) <laughs> He's not by the draft. It's quite warm. <laughs> the farmer's daughter tells her to be quiet, but the silly girl runs over to get her to uh, runs over to Gretchen for a closer look. She can't help herself, and then she bursts out laughing at the size of Gretchen's manhood. Yeah, and we already mentioned the vulnerability of masculinity. Right? right. This is not a great idea, given that Gretchen is sleeping right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. And and he's heard some of what she said. Mm-hmm. And when she comes near him again, because she is going back and forth, 
Right. He he reaches out and grabs her, and then he utters this verse. Uh, do you remember what voice we used for Gretchen? Was uh, that the John Wayne thing that we were doing? I think it was. Yeah. If not, it'll work. All right. A caution is the scatterbrain's behavior. I'm sorry. Is that your is that your John Wayne? I don't know. Do you want to do it? <laughs> a caution, and no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't got what it takes. <laughs> You set yourself up for this. We're going to do a whole new voice here. A caution is the scatterbrain's behavior. That's a brand new voice. It's like every voice you do for some. Yeah, I don't have a lot of. I don't have a lot of voices. Can we just move on, please? So he says, in the best voice I could possibly come up with for Greta at this particular moment. A caution is the scatterbrain's behavior. Arrow wind desiring bushes. Warriors. Cannot usually see the sword in another's hair properly. <laughs> this I bet. They do not have bigger balls than I. Even if the spear storm trunks... Warriors again. Have larger cocks. Mm. I don't recall if we read that one during the episode. Uh, we did, actually. Uh, but it was a different translation. It's a different um, accent, too. It was. Yeah, we, we mixed it all up. <laughs> but it was two years ago, so forgive us. Hmm. So, having looked at the Old Norse, I can say that I provided the better translation this time around. Oh, wow. I like this one. And just to be clear, Gretter's not done. Uh, he pulls her onto a bench next to him and gives her another verse. He does. And since we're doing the penis poems for notable witticisms, I think it's worth sharing. He says, The seam prop spinster said that I've got a small sword. The boastful balls branch wrist. The servant girl. Is telling the truth. My low-maned horse can grow quite long in my young man's thigh forest. It's <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> a, a thigh forest. <laughs> Island boned Freya. Servant girl. Just wait a moment. <laughs> now, I will freely admit that the kennings there for the servant girl kind of break mm-hmm. up the flow in translation, but... That's a brilliant poem. I, I like the Fox and Paulson's translation. It does a uh-huh. better job of capturing the essence, even though it's not kind of word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they translate the last line like this. But a small one can grow, and I'm still a young man. So wait until I get into action, my lass. It's There's so much wrong with this. It's so bad. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a second. Hang on. Hang on. Well, no, uh, I think the the implication is he's yeah, about I to. Know. Uh, I know. Uh, yeah, well, whatever no. the translation, Gretter's got a way with words. He does. And it's a brilliant defense of his uh, inadequacies. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and if I read the chapter correctly, I do believe he proves his point and changes the servant girl's mind a bit. Yeah, I think that's the way we're meant to read it. Mm-hmm. Now, if Gretter doesn't give Scarpe then a run for his money for that, then I'm going to be very disappointed. Now, you have another candidate, don't you, Don? I do. All right. The the problem is I think we've already covered our top two candidates. Why bother with your last one? Well, because it's a good line worthy of remembering. It's our job to record these things for posterity. Very well, for posterity. Our final candidate comes from Droplagrasona Saga, which we just finished a few weeks ago. Ah, yes, yes. I know this one very well. This comes right after the Best Bloodshed winner for this saga, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, this is Helge Droplagerson's response to getting a sword smashed through his teeth and tearing off his lower lip. Mm-hmm. 
drooling blood and spitting teeth, Helgi stuffs his beard into his mouth to continue fighting. But before he does, he says, I was never beautiful, but you've made little improvement. <laughs> you did a really good job with that. Much better than, I think I read it several times and I did poorly. Oh, well. But it's short and it's sarcastic. And that is a true saga-worthy response to a disfiguring injury. So there are our candidates. Uh, Helgi's less-than-beautiful face. Mm-hmm. Gritter's ode to a shrinking violet of a manhood. Scarpaven's advice on arse-eating. Yokel's axe-hammer legal defense. And Viglund's <laughs> father's put-down of his son's girly bandages. Scarpaven's advice on arse-eating. I don't think you could have put that more eloquently. <laughs> Now, before we turn it over to the listeners to finally decide this thing, I do believe you mentioned a Dark Horse candidate. I did. Um, i actually surprised you remembered. Well, how could I forget? I mean, it's a bit unorthodox, but I... Well, I, I okay, hang on. You've already thrown orthodoxy out the window. True enough. I mean, that uh, happened in my, uh, in my youth. But uh, <laughs> uh, what is this mystery <laughs> candidate? Is it one we considered before? Um, not exactly, although we did get a good chuckle out of it. Okay. Um, this is this is. Do you remember what happened when Grimdrop Lagerson got home from killing Helgi Asbjarnason? <laughs> yes, as if we weren't lowbrow enough already with Gretchen's <laughs> edition. I see where you're going, or maybe I should say I I'm catching a whiff of where you're headed. Ah, uh, yes, I think you've got it. Okay. Yes, uh, Grim was playing Hneftafel with Norwegian. One of Thorkel Gadesen's young boys comes over and bumps the table, upsetting the game. And as the saga tells us. The Norwegian kicked at the boy, whereupon he farted. Grim burst out laughing. <laughs> and I will freely admit that I shall chuckle to myself about that moment from time to time. In your quiet moments of self-reflection, I'm assuming? Absolutely. Now, what do you say? Now, for my sons who thought this was a hilarious story, uh-huh. I think we should include this one. Hmm. You know, it's not exactly a witty retort so much as an involuntary release, but uh, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah, I'll allow it. Go ahead. I call it the old Bronx cheer. Um, <laughs> and with that, you have your candidates for notable witticism. It's up to you to choose the best of the best. There are excellent choices here, and it all depends on your sense of humor. Yeah, I think we'll we'll really it'll be interesting to see whether highbrow, lowbrow, or mm-hmm. arse eating lowbrow wins I out on this one. Lowbrow will win. Well, I think one of those is going to win. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Um, so the winner doesn't have to be funny, right? Poignancy can also carry a lot of weight. Right, yeah. A witticism with bite is often best, I think. <laughs> I don't really reference think. reference to arse eating? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it will be interesting to see how this one turns out. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, uh, John, you ready to talk about some bad guys? Absolutely. Oh, oh Lori. This is always one of our favorites. Uh, our chance to reward the villains of the sagas. Well, is reward the right word for outlawing someone? I'm not sure. Okay, maybe not. Uh, It's our chance to punish the villains of the sagas, then. There you go. Discipline and punish. There you go. (laughs) Now, by the way, it was just pointed out in our Facebook group by uh, one of our listeners, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, uh, but that several of our earliest outlaws who received minor outlawry, have now reached the end of their three-year exile and are free to return to Iceland. That's a great point. Something of a condemnation of how long it's taking us to get through all these. Uh, but a great point. It's also an interesting technicality because it means they're actually available for Thingmen or another outlawry in another saga. Oh, I like that. Exactly. See, see, that's the point he was making. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get started on deciding the worst of the worst. 
I'm going to get us started by going all the way back to Gretter's saga. Yeah, and Gretter was an outlaw, remember? Oh, only by the corrupt standards of a degraded legal system. Uh-huh. No, we recognized the injustice that was done to Gretter and instead outlawed his killer, Thorbjorn Hook. Ah, uh, yes, the hired killer. The hired killer who ended up using his foster mother's sorcery to disable Gretter, then attacked while he was lying sick in bed, and mm-hmm. finally chopped Gretter's hand and head off when it turned out that Gretter's grip in death was stronger than Thorbjorn's in life. But he was legally in the right. Gretter was an outlaw. You can kill him. Gretter was the consummate outlaw. He lasted 19 years. That's the record. But Thorbjorn's crimes also include the murder of his own stepmother, the Mm -hmm. killing of women and children, the use of black magic so egregious that new laws forbidding the use of magic had to be created in Iceland. Ultimately, not a nice guy is the point I'm making. Didn't he more or less get run out of the all thing as well? Yeah, he was not well liked. Well, you know, he has limited social skills. I Right, a Thorbjorn Hook finally met his end when Gretter's brother Thorstein Dromund tracked him across Europe to Byzantium, where mm. Hook was spreading lies about Gretter before Thorstein finally hacked him down with Gretter's sword. It's a fitting end to one of the worst people in all the sagas we've read for this quarter. Oh, well, he's a jerk, sure, but I don't think you should go crowning him just yet. Oh, no. Because my first candidate is Freydis Eric's daughter well, from sure. the Saga of the Greenlanders. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think I need to recount her crimes, really. You just heard sure. some of them. Yep. We covered them two years ago. And yet, who among you can forget her nefarious deeds? Oh, boy. I mean, you, you get the sense it's going to take a while, don't you? Mean you mean from the, from the half hour ago when we discussed them? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'll go into more detail. Oh, dear. <laughs> Now, from the start of her journey to Vinland, she's already conniving. Mm-hmm. There are two ships making the journey, hers and another captained by the brothers Helgi and Finboy. Obviously not the Finboy and any of the Helgis we've met recently. Right. Uh, both boats are supposed to have the same number of men on them to keep things even between the groups. Mm-hmm. But Freydis intentionally sneaks five extra men onto her boat to right. disrupt that I mean, balance. That's not very nice, but it's not terrible either. True, true, but things get worse uh, for Helgi and Finboy's crew when they arrive in Vinland. Even though there's enough space for them to share the buildings Leif Eriksson left in Vinland, Freydis refuses to share them. That's inconvenient, but still not terrible. I agree, but we both know what's coming. Uh, Things grow colder between the two groups as time passes, and by the end of winter they're not even talking to each other. And then on one chilly night, Freydis walks over to Helgi and Finboy's house, she tells Finboy that she's sorry for the bad blood between them, but she also explains that she's heading back to Greenland, and she's going to need a bigger ship for that journey. So, wasn't she hoping that he'd say no? I think so, but he he doesn't. Finboy wants to smooth the waters between his group and hers, so he agrees to exchange ships, and the meeting ends nicely enough, and then Freydis walks home to her house. Mm-hmm. And then she wakes her husband, Thorvard, and tells him that Finboy and Helgi had threatened to beat her. And then she says, unless he rushes out and avenges that slight, then she's going to divorce him. I mean, that kind of sounds like a great deal for Thorvard. Why doesn't he just accept? (laughs) He should. I mean, I don't know if it's the power, the money, the weakness. I don't know. He doesn't want to be one of the ones chopped down with an axe. Yeah. I don't know. I I also wonder if he actually loves her. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's good at wearing multiple faces to manipulate those around her. Mm -hmm. But whatever the case, Thorvard gathers his men and attacks Helgi and Finboy's longhouse. Uh, And it's also before dawn, so everyone's sleeping. 
and they capture everyone inside, which I think shows that the brothers were the real target. Uh-huh. But that doesn't matter to Freitas because as each man is brought out, she has all of them killed. 30 different men. Yeah, and then there's the women. Like, yeah, you mentioned them before. The women. Five women in the house. None of the men were willing to kill the women. No problem for Freitas. When she sees the that no one will finish the women off, she says, hand me an axe and takes care of the problem herself. There you go. Now that's terrible. Yeah. And don't forget, with the bloody axe still in hand, she turns to her own men and threatens to kill anyone who speaks mm-hmm. of what happened when they return to Greenland. Now look, John, I understand that Thorbjorn Hook's a nasty guy. And we've got some other despicable characters coming up, but how could it possibly be worse than Freydis? She's responsible for the slaughter of 35 innocent people. For what? There's no vendetta or score to settle with Helge and Finboy. She's just a terrible person who should be permanently outlawed. Again, admittedly, since we already <laughs> outlawed her. Well, I think we have, I mean, I would say, and my rebuttal to everything you've just argued, is she was outlawed on a technicality, right? The problem we ran into in that saga is that virtually none of it takes place in Iceland. Mm. None of her crimes took place in Iceland. Everything she oh. did took place outside the island. That's a problem. Don't undercut it. Don't it's undercut a, it, It's a John. problem for what we're saying here, right? She did mm. commit horrible deeds. She's a mass murderer. But she's a mass murderer on the wrong continent for our legal system. So Oof. you carry on. I hope no one's persuaded by that. But uh, <laughs> do you mind if I do another one that's really quick, like actually quick instead yeah, of what sure. I just did? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, hopefully this one will be actually be in our jurisdiction. But go on. <laughs> so now, since we're talking about some of the worst people in the sagas. Go ahead. Uh, well, we have to include Thorvald Molthgeg. Ah. Remember him yes. from the saga of Finbol the Mighty? you're talking. Now, shortly after Finboy and uh, Ronhild moved to Borg, mm-hmm. their children Gunbjorn and Alf, who are only five and three years old, oh. make the mistake of teasing Thorvald Molskeg. Now, he's the local grump, which I know your neighbors are, you know, familiar with. Hey. And, uh, and he doesn't take kindly to Finboy's sons constantly pranking him. Now, one day they push him too far. Molskeg comes storming out of the house and, well, I, I'll just have to let the saga describe what happens. He took one boy in each hand and dashed them against a rock so that their brains spurted out. Jeez. It's a horrific scene. And it's totally senseless. I just want to point out that my sons are five and three. And this is... <laughs> oh, wow. It's a little hard to take. Yeah, it's, that, that's terrible. And, Thanks and, for bringing here's it up. The thing, here's the thing that really gets me. a little paper cut and pour lemon juice in it. <laughs> this, this little episode serves very little function mm-hmm. in the narrative of the saga. And so, you know, I, I weigh that, you know, I think like what what's going on there. And I have to believe that there's, there's an element of truth somewhere in this story, whether it's part of Finn Bowie's own story history or someone else's or something, yeah. but either way, it, it's terrible. It, it might not have the numbers of Freyda's slaughter of the innocents, but it's equally horrific. And I, I'll i be honest, I wouldn't feel bad if Thorvald Molskeg were to win this category or lose it, depending on your... Right, depending on how you think, think about it, it yeah. Uh, well, those are both great options, but this list isn't going to be complete without Morth Valgridson, the nemesis oh. of Njal's family in Njal's saga. Wait, you think Morth is the worst figure in Njal's saga? No, no, not worst. He's a nemesis. And I mean that in the classical sense of the term. Morth, remember, is created as a byproduct of a questionable legal maneuver Njal and his friend Gunnar pull off early in the saga. 
Because of their interference, Gunnar's cousin is able to remarry, and the result of that marriage is Morth Valgridson. When he grows up, Morth, who's now a chieftain, resents being upstaged by the socially prominent Njal and Gunnar, and embarks on a lifelong and complicated plan to destroy them. Ultimately, he's responsible for Gunnar's death by sacrificing his own allies. He twists the mind of the Njalsons until they murder the saintly Hoskel Thrainson. He perverts the law to build resentment against Njal's family. He sets into motion the eventual burning death of Njal's entire clan. And then he ruins the lawsuit to seek legal settlement against the Njalsons' killers. He's an epic force of destruction and a near-perfect manifestation of the concept of Nemesis. He has to go on the list. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree that he's a good candidate for the list. And all of that you've said is kind of valid. But I still think the true villain of Njalsog is Holgerth Longlegs. I know you think Morth mm-hmm. is the true villain, but mm-hmm. I'm not changing my position from what we talked about during the Saga Judgments. Mm-hmm. Holgerth is worse. I mean, you know, I kept a running tally of all the deaths that she was in some way responsible for in that saga. Really? How many did you come up with? I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> As the saga progressed, it got so long and complicated, but but it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, though, she's responsible for the deaths of her first husband, Thorvald, her second husband, Gloom, her third husband, the great Gunnar Hamundersen. I think we can debate who's responsible for that death, but all right. Uh, she's responsible. At least half of the men that get caught up in her feud with Bergthora, and I, I think you could argue that she's responsible for all of them. Um, and we could make a good argument for her being the instigator behind the deadly animosity that grows up between Gunnar's family and Njal's. Now, granted, Mor takes advantage of that, but without Holgerth to stoke the flames, none of that really is possible. So the pile of bodies that results can be traced back to her. I'm sorry, man. Holgerth is bad news. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to ask you, noble listeners, do you really want Holgerth and her thief's eyes? To get out of this quarter court unscathed? All right. Now, we had a couple other options, but I think these are both solid arguments. I think so, um, too. More the nemesis and Holgerth the murderer. And as it happens, we did outlaw both Morth and Holgerth in the Njal Saga judgments. Um, I say we include them both and let the listeners decide. See, pairing them up again seems like cheating to me. Not pairing them up. They're going up against each other now. Oh. And you understand that we made up these rules, right? We have no precedent to follow. Let's make a rule. <laughs> so you just make it up as we go yeah, along. Absolutely. All right. In the interest of moving things along, uh, I'll do it. But it, it seems like cheating to me. Well, I mean, you could always withdraw Hulgarth and resolve the problem that way. Mm, you know what? You got a good point. Both it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. All right. Big, Big man. man. Now... Let me start by saying that this contest is going to be close. And to be honest with you, I think it should be close. Mm -hmm. We have both done an excellent job this time of picking Thingmen that fit both our personalities and our vision of who would represent us best. Mm -hmm. And regardless of the outcome, I don't think either one of us would change the selections that we made if given the opportunity to do so. I think that's fair. Uh, we should explain that uh, this section is a little bit different from the others. Uh, rather than giving you guys a list of five candidates to choose from, Andy and I will each take three minutes to uh, make a case for our Thingman being the superior set. Yeah, roughly uh, after three which minutes. We'll have a, no, not roughly. I've got a stopwatch. 
uh, a three-minute stopwatch. Uh, and then afterward, we'll have a few minutes for conversation. And then uh, it'll be put to the listening audience to decide which of us has made a better set of selections. And uh, so we've decided that Andy's going to go first this time. So Andy, take it away. And uh, I'm going to start your timer as soon as you begin speaking. All right. Well, um, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that I believe my crew has some advantages over yours. Uh, last time around, I built my crew of Thingmen around three criteria, emphasizing character, physical power, and political influence. That same approach did inform my choices this time, uh, though I pushed the triangle on its side and lifted physical power to the peak. Now, I did that for a reason, because I have read enough sagas to know that a physical conflict is inevitable between even the best of friends. A Njal saga taught us this. And if I'm the Gunnar to your Njal, <laughs> then, then I want to come out on the right side in the end. And for that to happen, I need men who are both willing and capable to avenge me after Grettir crushes my skull. Now... Putting my criteria aside for a moment, I, I, I want to remind you of your five criteria for Thingman selection from mm-hmm. last time. I, now, I prefer to think of them as the five pillars of successful Thingman selection, but either way, they're the same. And the five pillars include political power, historical significance, general badassery, brains, and the awkwardly titled, who would you rather have a party with? <laughs> Now, to be honest, I, I think we're pretty even in most of these categories. Mm-hmm. We've both got a good balance of men who wield a great deal of political and social influence. And you might have me on established political influence, but I've gathered a group of charismatic and upstanding men who represent the next generation. The majority of my thingmen are considered among the most respected and accomplished men in Iceland. We're equally balanced on historical significance, I think. We've both selected some of medieval Iceland's greatest men. Men who shaped the history and the customs of the land as well as the tales of heroism to be shared uh, around the fire on cold winter nights. In this, I think I have a slight advantage because my group is dominated by fighting men who made names for themselves as men of action. Now, I will give you the advantage when it comes to brains, but you've got Njal and Ingemann the Old. I can't really compete with that, nor do I think it's necessary to do so at this case. Uh, So if we're more or less tied in terms of the first four pillars, then it comes down to the last one. Party time. Who would you rather party with? And somehow this category uh, you actually came up with, which I don't understand. (laughs) Now, I find the notion of a party featuring your triad of elderly thingmen, Ingemann the Old, Njal Thorstensen, uh, and Thorstein the White, somewhat laughable. But I'm interested to see how the foul-tempered Gretir as Munderson gets along with the infant Snorri Thorfinnsson. I can't imagine Gretir will be terribly happy in your hall with the overpowering smell of Ben Gay and baby powder. Across the street at Andy's Thingman's Jammery, we've got a lot of personality to keep things lively. Viglund is there reciting poetry. Thorkel Scratcher is spinning yarns. Onan Treefoot is exchanging war stories with Kari Salmondrasen and Thorgir the Gothi. In the back corner, you'll find Thorfinn Karl Zefni and Thorstein the Fair comparing travel narratives. Near the fire, no doubt, drinking the most are Killer Skuta and Helgi Droplogerson. They're having a blast laughing Sir, and plotting their next up. caper. Sir. And Thorvald Sir, the healer is making floor. the rounds checking to make sure everyone is drinking enough water and offering some healing. They're a great bunch of guys and I look forward to spending time with them. And uh, And I hope you voters agree. You went way over your time. Uh, I went uh, like a couple seconds over. seriously over your Uh, time. A couple seconds. I'll I'll give you a couple seconds too. Uh, No, no, I don't want a couple seconds. Keep me to three minutes just like I kept you. Oh, you you timed yourself in uh, preparation. Of course I do. I just want you to remember that I edit this and I just know how many words I can say in three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you tell me when I can get started 
Uh, I don't remember how to set my timer at this moment. Right. I can set mine. That's fine. All right. Well, hold on. I would like to just keep track sure, just I'll so hold I can it up. taunt you like you, you taunt trust me. trust me? I don't like trusting wow. you. Here's my stopwatch. Wow. Ready? Go. Thank you. Obviously, we've both got some great Thingmen and some great filler in this set of sagas. I think that only makes sense. We looked at a variety of saga types this time around, and so our choices weren't always among famous figures and notably accomplished Gothar. I'll begin by saying that I regard us as having made equally good choices in a number of our contests. Head-to-head, saga-by-saga, this is a tough one to call. Ultimately, I feel confident that my Thingmen outweigh yours. Hmm. Last time we debated this, I proposed those five criteria for judging our selections. And for consistency, I'm going to stick to those criteria. We should be judged by our Thingman's political power, historical significance, general badassery, brains, and the best group to have at a party. Not the best group to party with, the best group to have at a party. Let's take our Thingman through those criteria and see how they fare. One, political power. Your top men in this category are, I don't know, Thorger, Gothi, Thorkel Scratcher, and I guess maybe Thorstein the Fair? I've got Ingemin the Old, Thorstein the White, Eolf Valgerdison, and Bjarni Brodhelgesen as my political A-team. Four chieftains of great renown. And if that's not enough, I've also got Njal Thorgerson, maybe the most politically powerful non-chieftain of the Saga Age. This is probably my best category. I'm going to go ahead and claim this one. It's a politically savvy point for me. Two, historical significance. You sneered when I took him, but I've got Snorri Thorfinnsson, the first named European born in North America. If that's not historical enough, I've also got Njal Thorgerson, and I've got Greta Esmundersen, and I've got this category. A history-making second point to me. General Badassery, number three. If it comes to a straight-ahead brawl, you've got Kari Salmundersen, Killer Skuta, and Onan Treefoot. I've got Greta Esmundersen, Finboya the Mighty, and Bjarni Brodhelgesen. I might be able to make an argument on this one based on Greta and Finboya, but no. I think this is a tie, honestly. I'd pay good money to see Kari Solmunderson and Greta Esmunderson fight it out, but I wouldn't bet a nickel on who'd win. I call this a blood-soaked half-point each. Four, brains. If my men can't necessarily beat yours in battle, there argue circles around yours any day. I've got Njal Thorgerson, the greatest lawyer of medieval Iceland. I've got Ingemin the Old and Thorstein the White, two men renowned through generations for their wisdom and good leadership. I've got Eil Valgerdison, whose sagacity puts him in great demand as an adjudicator of other people's feuds. And I've got Grim Joplagerson, definitely the smarter of the Joplagerson brothers. I'm calling this a brainy, brilliant point for me. Which group would you invite to a party? Fifth point. All right. You've got me on this one. You've got a crowd of guys known for their companion ability. It's Kari, Thorfinn, Thorstein the Fair. You've got a good poet in Vigland. You've got Thorvard the Healer to keep everybody in good shape and help with hangovers. And a slightly dour Onanovixen to tell stories of the war against Harold Fairhair. I've got Grimjop Lagerson, who'd rather stay home. Finn Boya, who'd probably start a fight. Njal, who'd almost certainly not drink anything and go to bed early. And Gretter, who'd more than likely burn the place down and then sleep naked in the barn. I grant you this one. So by my count... My crew wins three and a half points to your one and a half. I yield the floor. Oh, well, you did go over time, uh, I, but to be fair, so did I. <laughs> I went over by a second and a half, sir. Uh, you went over by uh, more than six seconds uh, you by are, my stopwatch. You are a terrible liar. I invite our <laughs> listeners to time that speech. There's no, there's no lies there. It was quite accurate. And I won't have you slowing down my speech at all, by the way, when you record this. Now, if the, the uh, listeners could keep up with your uh, Micro Machines delivery. <laughs> I'm from New Queens. Deal with it. Yeah. Well, I believe we discussed the, uh, the idea of having just a, uh, a, 
a, a casual chat. A casual chat. All stage. right. Let's let's yeah. let's be casual. Okay. <laughs> I think we should take a no. moment. We've uh, we've just spent a few minutes shredding each other's picks. We should just go through the individual sagas and just list out who we picked um, for uh, clarity, if necessary. Um, I uh, believe I listed all of mine in my party. Well, scene. As did I, but I just want to go through and talk about who we picked against each other. Sure. So fine. so uh, Viglund saga. saga. You picked Viglund Thorgrimson, and I picked and Trousty you picked his brother Trousty. Yeah. Uh, for Vatnsdala Saga, you picked Thorkel Scratcher, and I picked Ingemann the Old. Yeah. Uh, for Greta's Saga, you chose Own and Treyfoot, and I chose Greta as Munderson. Uh, for uh, Greenlander's Saga, you chose Thorfinn Karlsefni, and I chose his son, Snorri Thorfinnson. Yeah. Uh, for Finnboya's Saga, you chose Thorgir the Gothi, which was a bit of a stretch, and I chose Finnboya the Mighty. I'm not sure about that. That. Uh, and I, I I hardly think that you should be talking about stretches when you're hey, about to talk about your pick for Regdal. Which I think is entirely valid. Uh, I'll, sure I'll grant you, you a bit of a stretch, but no more than yours. Uh, for Regdal mm. Saga, you chose Killer Skuta, and I chose Eil Felgerdison. And for the gentleman for, who complained all through the first quarter <laughs> about choosing men who weren't really in the saga. I, I you are never going to find a more shameless disturbing. pick. Than your choice of killer stewer. You're never going to find a more shameless pick. I think you got me beat Can we at carry this point on? in terms of... Can we carry on? Yeah, we should. Njal Saga. But you do got me beat. Njal Saga. You chose Kari Salmundersen. I chose Njal Thorgerson. Yes. Thorstein the White Saga. You chose Thorstein the Fair. I chose Thorstein the White. No one uh, remembers Nobody remembers either one. <laughs> I would, trust you, me you that Thorstein the it. Fair is the better. Um... Uh, for um, Vopnafjordi Saga Vopnafjordi Saga you chose Thorvard the Healer and I chose Bjarni mm-hmm. Brunhilgesen uh, and for Droplagerson Saga we chose the Droplagersons you chose Helgi and I chose Grimm quite right uh, and I think those are it's, you a, it's and I very went over close. this. I do think it's very close we went over this independently before the uh, the, yep. the second quarter really yep. started and yeah, I think we're it's it feels very four to four ish. Yep. If we're I, being totally honest, I, if I'm going through it, and it's me going through it, so I'm not claiming to be unbiased here. But I think we tied yeah. on five of these. I really do. I think there are a bunch of them. I don't think you can say either Drop Lagerson is clearly a better pick than the other. I don't think um, that that Thorstein the Fair and Thorstein the White, you know, they're a wash clearly. Um, yeah, Thorkel Scratcher and Ingemann the Old, I think, are very very close. Um, I think we this is a much closer set of thingmen than our first the first quarter. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be really interesting to see where people come right. down and you know listen to the whole five pillars thing if you yep. want and and take it seriously. But really, what you're doing is looking at the comparison of the individuals that we chose. Well, that wait saying, a minute, who you like, who do I like better? You spoke of going to the five pillars, and now you're telling people not to listen to it. I think perhaps you realized that you don't fare very well in that comparison. No, I don't think that's true at all. However, <laughs> I'm trying to you get into the minds of I'm trying to get into the minds of our listeners and what I, I think is So what you're saying is that our is, listeners are too simple to understand the complications of the five pillars, and so you're trying to make it simple. <laughs> no, I see what you're hey, trying you're just to do insulting there. But, them. That's uh, that's but pretty no. shoddy. I think if I'm a listener, I'm looking at the uh, the comparison, <laughs> the side by side, and I'm trying to say which of these dudes do I like best? Right. And if that's the way you're Look, choosing... I've already granted think, you that your guys would be better at a party than mine. 
That'd be it's great. It's the only category so I think fun. you win, but I, I think they absolutely would make a better party. I'm pretty sure you won last time because of that. So I thought I'd, I'd, I'd hey. you know, press on that uh, that that category. No, I think I, I honestly think that this is much more of a coin toss than the first time out. Uh, yeah, so, definitely. You know, I think either way this goes will be fine. Um, I hope and I expect to do well, but um, I wish you luck. Well, I mean, by my tally, I've got six of these. Do um, you? And you've got four. So yeah, by my tally, we tie in five. I've got three, and you've got two. Well, you know that, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays mm-hmm. out. It's not up to us; it's up to you, the That's listener. Correct. Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to our next category. Final, Final rating. rating. Well, this isn't really a category for us to decide at this point. Uh, when listeners vote in the other categories, they're they're mostly choosing from among the candidates we've listed out for them, but not in final ratings. No, uh, we are going to put all ten sagas from this quarter court into the poll and let the audience decide which one takes top honors. Now, last time, Gisli's saga took the top prize for our first ten sagas. Deservedly so. Yeah, I don't think either one of us was surprised by that. No, no. Uh, and this time, things, I don't think they'll be quite as clear. Mm-hmm. We've got two absolute classics in the mix. You've got Njal Saga and Gretir Saga. Right. And there are a couple hidden gems as well, like yeah. Thorstein the White. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. That's, I thought so too. It's, it's, this is going to be a bit of a horse race. Uh, I still kind of think so. It's not going to be a walkover for anyone. But when I went back and looked at our scores for the last 10 sagas, um, Andy, during the first quarter, you scored the sagas on average 6.55 out of 10. All right, I'm going to take your word for that, and we covered a lot of weak sagas. Right, so So if you had to guess, how'd you score the last 10 sagas? On average, Mm -hmm. I scored a lot low this time, so I'm going to say probably close to the same, I think, Um, though I scored a lot high. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say we're we're going to gravitate toward about that range of 6.5 something. Yeah, you're not too far off. I mean, I, I was a little surprised. Your average score this time was exactly six. Hmm. More than half a point lower than last time. I blame Thorstein the White. Well. Um, <laughs> but it's lower. I, I, I'm surprised because we did yeah. so many good well, sagas this time. Yeah. You lost points in the evening gown competition, I'm afraid. Mm. I'm not surprised by that. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, what was yours? Uh, mine was also lower. I averaged a 6.6 last time and a 6.3 this time. Really? Mm-hmm. And that's with Njol and Gretchen in the mix. Yep. Didn't we give Njal a perfect score? Yep. He got a 20. Yeah, and Greta was pretty close. Yeah. A pair of nines. Apparently, we had some real stinkers in the mix this time. Uh, So what was our lowest score? Greenlander Saga, I'm assuming. Cause... Rekdala Saga, actually. Rekdala? Yeah. Really? I don't remember it being that bad. Uh, I like Killer yeah. Skuta. I, I gave it a 3.5, and you gave it a 4. But it makes sense that you would think of Greenlanders, because uh, I believe you gave that one 3.5. So on average, we scored the sagas in this group something like 12.3 or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Look at you mathing it up. Uh, that well, means I, that yeah. our, well, our overall scores in this round were significantly lower than the 13.5 average we gave the first 10 sagas. So, really, there you have it. I don't like it. <laughs> but you're saying that these sagas were objectively worse than the last set? No, I'm not saying that. I can't think of anything less objective than the way we do things around here. (laughs) 
I think we just had a couple of stinkers and they brought the score way, way down. Mm-hmm. Not fair. And I'm surprised because you scored a couple of them higher than they deserved. Oh, oh, I see. That's your opinion. Yeah. That's uh, my opinion. I'm not going mean, to get look, dragged into a defense of my scores. I think uh, my scores stand for themselves. And sadly, that concludes the review <laughs> portion of our second quarter court. Uh, the heavy burden of choosing a winner for each of our categories now rests on your shoulders, dear listeners. Yes, and we hope you understand the significance of this moment. Yeah. Let's not oversell it. Uh, Andy, <laughs> you've set up the polls for each category on our website already, right? That is correct, uh, yes. And if you're listening to this, then you can already head over to sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com and vote for your favorites. Mm-hmm. I will also send the polls out on Twitter now and then for easy access. Good. And if you don't already follow us on Twitter, then you can find us at sagathingpod. I tend to be more active day-to-day there than I am on Facebook, so if you haven't been following us there, you really should. And uh, we'll leave the polls open until September 30th, until the end of the month. So once the polls close, Andy and I will review the results in a special episode to conclude the second quarter court. Yes, and like last time, it won't take long to go over the results, so we will flesh out the episode with a special segment where we answer listener questions. Mm -hmm. Last time around, we fielded everything from Viking history to literature and language, and we also fielded questions about about us. That was a little odd. Um... We've already received a handful of questions, but we're eager to hear from you. Uh, We'll also accept comments, since not everyone has a question. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm still hoping that someone will craft a clever saga thing word problem for Andy to solve. And I am hoping that you will do nothing of the sort. (laughs) But uh, I am looking forward to your questions and comments. If you have interacted with me on Facebook or Twitter, you know that I usually get back to you fairly quickly. Unless, uh, you know, the occasional time that uh, your message gets lost in the shuffle somewhere. And Mm. even then, I do usually find you within a few months and I respond with a sheepish apology. Now, before we wrap this up, I'd like to encourage everyone listening to subscribe to the podcast and maybe review it. Uh, We don't ask very often, but Andy and I both put in quite a bit of work producing this podcast. If you've enjoyed any of it, if we've made you chuckle or think or whatever the combination of those two things would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thinkle, <laughs> oh, Thinkle. Uh, pick up or pick up a saga for yourself, maybe, which is kind of the idea. Um, if you, if you've enjoyed us, then go to iTunes or whatever venue is easiest for you and give us a review. It helps other people to find us, and that's what we're after. Yes, and we'd also love it if you'd tell a friend about us, or better yet, talk about us in an online forum or social media or <laughs> wherever it is that modern people with a bit of intellectual curiosity gather. Starbucks? We have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we are eager to see it grow. The bigger the podcast, the wider the reach, the better chance we have to justify what we do for our peers in academia. Absolutely. Uh, and while we do this for fun, we also get a lot out of it, and we hope to see other scholars taking on similar projects in the future. They don't do it if there is no market. I think that's important to note. Mm. So showing us your support through reviews and word of mouth is a good first step to getting more academics involved in sharing their knowledge with the world outside of peer-reviewed journals. Well said. Uh, And with that, I think we're finished. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we're putting up another Saga Shorts episode later this month to tide us and you over until the results are tallied. Yes, but uh, I don't think you should promise anything until we've actually delivered. Right. We wouldn't want to fail to put up a Saga Short and leave the listeners feeling short-changed. Yeah!
Oh, God. I hope that's the last one. <laughs> so uh, what exactly are we doing this time on Saga Shorts? Uh, the Thotter of Thorstein Uxafot. Oh, uh, Thorstein well. Oxleg. Yes, I know about that one. I cannot wait to see what we do with that. <laughs> uh, and once we have posted the quarter court results episode, we'll we'll get to work on the first saga of our third quarter. Oh, yeah. I think everyone will be happy with that one. It's not one of the most famous sagas out there, but it's a fun one. Uh, do you want to tell them what it is, John? Nope. Let's keep them in suspense. Your heart's mistress. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye for now. A caution is the scatterbrain's behavior. Arrow wind desiring bushes. Bushes uh, warriors. Can usually cannot see the sword in another's hair properly. <laughs> this I it's bet. bet. They do not have bigger balls than I. Even if the spear storm trunks have larger cocks. <laughs> is that where we're going with? No. Oh, okay. You do it. <clears throat> it's offensive to the Italians. There you go. <laughs>